0: This week's episode of Screen Talk is brought to you by Amazon Studios' film The Big Sick. Based on the real-life courtship between Kumail Nanjiani and Emily V. Gordon, The Big Sick tells the heartwarming and often hilarious story of Pakistan-born aspiring comedian Kumail, who connects with grad student Emily after one of his stand-up sets. However, what they thought would be just a one-night stand blossoms into the real thing. Produced by Judd Apatow, Barry Mendel, and directed by Michael Showalter, the film stars Kumail Nanjiani, Zoe Kazan, Holly Hunter, and Ray Romano. The Big Sick has been named one of AFI's Top 10 Films of the Year and has been nominated for six Critics' Choice nominations, including Best Picture and two SAG Awards for Best Ensemble. For your consideration in all categories, including Best Picture, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actress, Holly Hunter. The Big Sick is now streaming on Amazon Prime Video, and it's pretty good. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's Weekly Podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the deputy editor and chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor at large, and we have had a very busy week and for many different reasons, most of them having to do with awards, but also other things having to do with galaxies far away and Uh, big corporations buying each other. So we'll dig into all of that stuff. But let's start with the award stuff because uh, that's sort of the most straightforward news of the week because we saw it coming, the Golden Globes nominations, almost as notable for what didn't make the cut the real snob. It's
1: the for, real, yeah, it's the real, actually what it is, is it's the return of the Hollywood Foreign Press, you know, the old wackadoodle, completely man. out of their minds, you never, know, never on some other planet.
0: Figure out, yeah, some new way to <laughs> surprise you. You
1: know, and so what you have to do is sort of, you know, throw away this sort of obvious crazy stuff like, you know, Greatest Showman and, and. uh all the money in the world and, and and focus on what actually, it's good because if, if you take the Golden Globes and then look at the SAG awards, the way it works is that if you get a SAG and you don't get a globe, you're still in really good shape because it's way more predictive and overlapping uh, with the academy. If you get because a globe, academy members
0: are SAG members, yes,
1: and and because the acting branch of the academy is so um, dominant, it's the biggest branch of the academy. It's like 1,200 people out of 7,000 people, whatever the final numbers are. But um, the thing with with uh, but if you get a globe and you don't get SAG that's kind of a bad thing and and if you get both that's a really good thing that starts to look like you've got some momentum and you're going forward so we can say safely that Shape of Water and Three Billboards and Call Me By Your Name and Lady Bird are continuing to be really good and we don't have to worry about Gary Oldman but that's probably the only nomination uh, in the main categories Uh, the uh, Darkest uh, Hour. Darkest Hour hour, though I was looking um, I was looking through the different categories that that could actually actually be up for and realize that it's still a strong player. It still has lots of things going for it, heading toward a best picture. Well, I mean, nomination. it's just sort of
0: like if you were to look at it, uh, compare it to uh, the political landscape, right, where last fall after the presidential election, everyone was saying it's a totally different ball game. all these different rules, traditional politics don't work, and then the Virginia election happened, and then the Alabama election happened, and Thank these were God. Po- and, no, but what I'd say is, they, these people didn't run on some sort of radical campaign or anything like that. They, they were elected for the same reasons that many people have been elected before, and I, I'm thinking about that in relation to this, it's sort of like, well, A Darkest Hour, even a Dunkirk or The Post, I mean, we tend to maybe kind of push them aside in an exciting time to talk about Get Out or Lady Bird or Florida Project, but that doesn't mean that those more traditional movies don't have momentum, they just... It's, it looks like momentum we've seen so much before that we tend to gravitate towards the things that look more exciting and different especially and some, film
1: know. critics who are based in New York absolutely sure. Phantom but. Thread looks a lot more exciting and prospectful that, to you, perhaps, than it in New York. Than, Let me be clear: it, is. it, does. it is,
0: more exciting it, than a lot it, of it the movies. It may very well to...
1: be one of the best movies of the year, but that doesn't mean it's going. You know, it's so it's gonna it's not gonna do well at the box office. It's going to be a tough one, and I worry about focus features a little bit because some of these movies. I mean, they did very well with Victoria and Abdul. By the way, speaking of what you're most recent point was guess who's doing really well? Judy Dench.
0: <laughs> well, exactly. It's like the old rules. Judy Dench,
1: pay attention here, Judy, folks.
0: How many people are going to vote for Judy Dench who didn't see the movie but shook her hand at a lunch or something? I'm well, just putting that out there. it's not like that. There.
1: No, 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 I mean, no. By the way, she's charming. She's absolutely that, charming. Boom, there you but, go. <laughs> but that doesn't, you know, she, she, you know, whatever. All right. Okay, so, so let's talk about let's one get of the weirder, yeah. more
0: surprising. Uh, things that happened with the Globes, which is no big sick, which I think is really interesting because you know for a place that has this musical or comedy category, I mean it was a surprise to people when Get Out was put into that category, but it wasn't really that crazy. was Big Sick, was like just seems like such a shoe in for a musical or comedy genre, and I don't know if it was because maybe. It's just a more competitive year, or did Amazon somehow miss some important opportunity here? But it it really stands out as quite the snub. Well, it's beautiful. more about
1: who those people are, you know, and, and and what they what they decided to go with, which was The Greatest Showman, which is Hugh Jackman. And, That's just baffling. And I, mean, I haven't an, seen the movie And it's yet. a musical. It's got, you know, it's got songs by the guys who did La La Land. And they everyone. could have nominated that one
0: without seeing it full stop.
1: I understand. I understand. But they, they got wined and dined, and it happens to be one of the most recent things they saw, along with the Ridley Scott thing. And again, Ridley Scott's a buddy. They've been you know, friendly. With well, and that's
0: it. The, they're the only ones who've seen it really. So, the only, and, well, in,
1: indeed. And, it, and, and I believe it was something of a work in progress at that point. But um, and then they go all the way with the Christopher Plummer nomination. But on the other hand, SAG, that voting body, the twenty five hundred uh, nominating committee, it changes every single year. Now, part of the thing with that, you can't lobby the same people over and over again. It's not like this captive audience. It's a different group. Every year. Well, and but, they did not
0: see, as far as we know, we didn't... They did, they did they not. Did not
1: they did not see those two films and, uh, until very late. And that doesn't mean all of them saw it. It was after Thanksgiving. the The ballots were due on December 10th. And... They didn't get screeners until even later. Until right, right so the one went out 11:28. One yeah. went out right before the the do the ballots were due. So those two movies are not out of the running at all, just because they were snubbed by golden Glo- by the uh, SAG voters. They they're probably going to be very you know for Daniel Day Lewis not to get nominated. I mean it's more like Wolf of Wall Street or Django Unchained. You know, one of those right. yeah. They just have to do things. a little bit of
0: extra legwork now yeah. to kind of get those people who are SAG members and also Academy members to be aware of them, which they can do. There's no, there's no problem. there. Well, the SAG involved.
1: nominations are out, so SAG, that's that ship has sailed. They won't right. get that. Right, but I, what I'm saying
0: is, that, I mean, what you, your argument that. You know, the point you keep making when they, you, know, you look at the guilds, like there are SAG members who are also voting on the Oscars, so right, right, right. those right. people need they'll, to see. they'll see
1: them. And and by the way, that's the other thing to remember, which is that at this time of year, and I realize that you and I have seen everything just about at this point, although I'm seeing Greatest Showman tonight, and I'm, and I'm seeing, seeing all the, the money, all in, the the money in the world tomorrow, uh, exactly, um, the, the uh, the rest of the world hasn't seen everything, and they're they're going to be really I mean, going through the piles over the uh, the Christmas holiday. And and again, these awards help to show them what they need to 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 look at. But some things have fallen away. Like if if you know Jeremy Renner was going to get anything for Wind River, it was going to be the the Golden Globes, and that didn't that didn't happen. Yep. And you know the, Ben Mendelssohn doesn't seem to be building any any big um, head of steam for darkest hour, which I thought he would. Um, and, And I still think Michael Stolbarg, even though he hasn't appeared, uh, on on either of these groups, um, he could still be uh, the one for Call Me by Your Name. I just feel it like. Well, it's an interesting <laughs>
0: challenge there, right? Because Timothy Chalamet seems to be the front runner well, for best actor. No,
1: Gary Oldman still is.
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, I, well, again, I'm in New York. Darkest bubble, Hour is but, a it,
1: is a very popular movie, by the way. It it isn't doing that well at the box office. It's it's a it's it's definitely playing better to the older crowd, but it's. It, as I said, I looked through the, the different categories, it is still production design, costume design, composer, editor, uh, you know, it is it is all of these bells and whistles that add up in the end uh, to some real support, screenplay. Well, in I a mean, more,
0: more traditional year, you'd be comparing that one in Dunkirk or something like that, but it seems like it's just such a, but there's so many different op- options here. I guess well, Darkest Dunkirk hour might doesn't be the have actors form.
1: going for it, so that, no, no, no. that cuts back. But when
0: you start getting into all the technical stuff, I mean, it's... Uh, It'll do very and the, well. Of and, of course, we tend to gravitate away from discussing one movie just because it's almost impossible to think about them all at once. I mean, it is impossible to remember more than a couple of movies at one time. We don't talk about Shape of Water that much. And yeah, Shape of do. Water is doing pretty Shape well. Shape of
1: Water is like the front-runner right now for Best Picture Director. I mean, that's what I would say. I mean, all best
0: the best is Dunkirk the, is isn't looking obituary? as strong at all. That's what I was going to say. Is, is is Shape of Water the greatest consensus movie at this point, even for actress or director? No, I think I mean, Three
1: Billboards is very strong with the actors. That's what we learned from, from SAG. So three billboards is Francis McDormand versus Sally Hawkins, you know, but Meryl Streep is still a possibility, you know. Yeah,
0: she'll probably get nominated. And then you have, and then you have,
1: uh, you know, Gary Oldman versus. I agree with you that Timothy Chalamet is giving him some competition right now. Absolutely, people
0: are just sort of astonished by Chalamet because he's young and he's sort of this exciting discovery, and that's a powerful story that may outshine to some degree the Gary Oldman thing, but it's going to be close. Seems like well, the a- reason
1: I'm, I keep coming back to Oldman as the front-runner is to think of it another way. If there's a lot of support for darkest hour in all sorts of different areas and it doesn't win anything except one thing, it could be that they win. You know, It's sort of like Lincoln. Think about Lincoln. Lincoln was nominated uh, like up and down. Like, they had like 10 nominations or 12 nominations. I forgot how many now. But it was a lot. And, and Lincoln, you know, didn't win anything. It, it won like art direction. And, and I'm just going to look up Lincoln. Well,
0: Daniel Day-Lewis won. It was Daniel Day-Lewis that, was sort that, of that represented
1: the entire movie. Right? right. So, so that's, he that's the movie so it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, ten was right. And and it won. Uh, exactly. Production design of Daniel Day-Lewis. So so that's that's what could happen with something like Darkest Hour. So it, it's, uh, they just say, OK, the best thing about that movie is Gary Altman he's going to be the one who wins for that
0: movie. That's, it's certainly, it's it's what it's got going for it, if nothing else. But and they then could Big decide Th- to
1: do that with with Chalamet and Call Me By Your Name, too. But I mean, way. Big
0: Sick is... In, it was a couple of months ago we were talking about Big Sick and we were thinking, well, maybe Kumail Nanjiani will get into no. the mixed Best Actor. Now that's not happening. But Daniel Kaluuya picked up uh, yes, so that's actor. a whole so different thing. That's very other cool. Thing.
1: Okay, so I, the other thing I recognize, we talked about this once before, is thats is that some of the surprising nominations, not that they weren't deserved, but just that they weren't necessarily expected. Yes. So, so you have a situation where people are voting for Denzel Washington.
0: Yeah, that just me. For a really Although, bad movie. I don't know. Really I talked really to somebody last night who liked I think. it. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. my dad liked watching that movie. I don't, really? I don't think he would say that it was a good movie, but he likes Denzel. And so, I mean, that is not an that award argument. That could be argument. what it is. It, it could is, be a uh, powerful like Denzel.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. He, I mean, the movie would have popular. had to be way worse than what it actually is, which I think is just kind of a boring mess to completely stop him in his tracks. Well, it's a
1: weak category too. All right. But That's they're true. obviously leaning into Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya and their lead. Which is, I mean, fantastic. I think Kaluuya
0: and Chalamet are two of the best performances yes, of the year. Yes, they're fantastic. And all minutes, And
1: it happened on both of those. So it, now we have to take Kalu- Kaluuya seriously. We do.
0: Yeah, as, as, as we should have been all along, I think, on some well, level. And he
1: was younger, an outsider, um, not, not necessarily someone that everybody already knew in a thriller. No, he will
0: be next year because yes. he's in two big movies, Black Panther and Steve Queen's uh, heist movie, so those, so it's sort of like it's that turning point moment. Although he's a little older than Charlemagne, has done a lot of theater work and stuff. It's sort of like the phenomenon of the movies is is hoisting him up even further, which is which is very neat. And they're campaigning well, of course. So that. That hasn't hurt. No, get out is so
1: a, a definite factor. So so the big sick, the question with the big sick, which did very well with, so Monday night, I went to this event where they were at the Chateau and, and Norman Lear gave a nice little speech to to Emily Gordon and, and Kamal Kum, Nanjiani and, and uh, Michael Schwalter and Holly Hunter, and they were all in their dumps. And everybody was sort of giving them the you were robbed speech from the Golden Globes the, that morning. And then, um, you know, the next, the, you know, two, two days later, they, they were fine, you know, everything was, was golden, uh, and everything went well with SAG, very well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, so, so, the, so that's just one, one case where the Globes may have just been more of a fluke than an indication of anything that, that is to come, although it is, a, it is a competitive year for all the categories that movie seems to be a real contender in, especially the screenplay one, but um, it would be a, still a surprise if it didn't get at least a nomination.
1: I think what we can I hope for for the big sick is picture and screenplay. I still maintain that's one of the best screenplays of the year, but that's a that adapted screen that original screenplay category is really really strong and and crowded and the adapted one is is weaker. Mudbound did very well with the uh, screen actors. Still field. holding Thank on. Thank God. <laughs> on. Yeah and well, so it's, it's, they're they're it's, alive they're my it looks like mary j blige uh especially and uh the song will 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 definitely get nominated and maybe they'll get adapted screenplays as well and maybe cinematography curious to see how that plays out
0: alas poor tiffany Haddish. tiffany Haddish is, is still not getting the kind of awards season momentum that everyone expected to, to her to do after her uh Stunning victory. With You'd the like, York, like
1: to think sir. that the New York Film Critics have more influence than, in fact, they do. It's a comedy. <laughs> it is a raucous, raunchy uh, comedy, and she is a breakout well, star. But that you know the
0: comparison, mean, which is which is Melissa McCarthy and and Bridesmaids. That was and and in this case, this is a somebody I would argue who that
1: Bridesmaids it. was a better movie on oh, every
0: level. I mean, well, I don't know. I'm not There's comparing M- <laughs> Melissa McCarthy
1: and Tiffany Haddish because she's extraordinary and her career is made and she's on her way. But I mean, Trainwreck didn't get anywhere either, you know, it's it's really not, you know, it's a, it's a question of how good the movie is. I
0: suppose, well, it's sort of shocking on some on, to most people that mood even being the context of this conversation. But if it gets people to, to actually look at the performance, They'll recognize that the performance in the movie are almost like two different things. So that is, it is worth looking at, at that and at least contemplating whether a more aggressive campaign might make a difference. In the I just
1: do not, not see all the members of the Academy, you know, pl- putting that girls' trip screener at the top of their pile. Well, I know it people is, like watching. I do have it. I weekend. do have it. I do have that screener. Yeah, so they are they are sending it out. Um,
0: it's the real thing. So let's talk about the the other big story this week. The one that that really has been kind of shaking up the business, and that's Disney once again opening its mouth and swallowing another ginormous uh, entity hole. In this case, Fox's movie and TV properties, uh, which is a huge deal on so many levels. The the very notion of you know, consuming another one. Uh, just opens up so many questions. I mean, on the same day that all this net neutrality stuff went down to the FCC, it really just makes you start thinking about, you know, what is the future of media? Who are going to be the new power players? Now Fox is, it's not gone, but its its future is with Disney. So what does that do? Well, I mean, we were talking about... Well, they're
1: leasing the lot, so for one thing. They're going to keep that. Is,
0: it's not, it's not it, gone yet. It's not, they're okay.
1: leasing it for like seven years. And what they're saying in the short term is is that everything, you know, everybody will stay where they are. More or less. I mean, it's going to be a, look, think about it, it has to be a very long, slow, there are all these deals, there's all these commitments, there's all these contracts, there's, you know, the, the. you know, it isn't like Stacy Snyder is going to leave her office tomorrow. Um, but the question of what happens to Stacey Snyder and what happens to Emma Watts, who's a very hot executive who's been courted everywhere, and, and Stacy Snyder and and Dana Walden, the head of TV uh, over at Fox, very uh, veteran, 20-year star over there, have been, you know, interviewed over at Amazon, which is looking for a new leader. So it's 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 going to be very interesting to see if that's something that interests them the way it interested someone like Scott Stuber, who went over to run uh, the Netflix movie side for for Ted Sarandos. So it's it's it. But basically, they're taking all this content that they're going to use for their over-the-top play in 2019, and they're basically setting themselves up to compete with Netflix.
0: But it's very interesting, because before we get too deep into that, people may not always realize the trickle-down effect of something like this. It's not just about executive shifts and things to like that. It has to do with, you know, the Marvel movies that you like to watch can now theoretically accommodate the X-Men. You know, there's there are these ways in which these two major entities can no you know sort of line up and, and create movies in different ways that have a big effect on blockbusters. But then you also have questions like Fox Searchlight, which uh, here we have a company that for over 20 years has been a major indie player. Question is, I mean, what you're talking about with the OTT plays? Are they going to become sort of the new streaming giant that also? you know, has an in-house production unit and can can really compete with Netflix, no longer allowing Netflix to kind of dominate the landscape, or will kind of the aspect of Searchlight that has been a key part of its identity, going to festivals, acquiring movies, and kind of releasing them in a traditional theatrical way, I mean, does that still have legs? Is it? Are they still going to be, you know... Looking for, well, not the next Patty Cakes, which they bought at Sunday last year. And Patty flopped, Cakes is but, the
1: perfect example yeah. of a movie that would have done better in the Netflix model than it did in the theatrical model. And I think that's what's going to happen is that now that they're no longer now that Disney is embracing the reality of the digital Window universe, and they are going to uh, not necessarily play the the theatrical exhibition game the same way. They can open this up, and and they can say this is going to be done this way. This is going to be. What are the real prospects that something like Patty cakes is going? I think when they finally looked at Patty cakes and 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 figured out what they were marketing and how it was playing, they, they kind of knew. And, they just—you
0: uh, could feel it when you were going to, you know, know. an event for the movie or something. They were yeah. just sort of like, eh, whatever.
1: So, so basically, they and no, it's, that was a wonderful movie, and I think I think it would it have been—it was okay, been, it was a I crowd pleaser. It would have That's played well, and so then you have to question, you know, how how long did Nancy O'Tley and Steve Galula, who are the best at what they do and have been doing it a long time, as you say, how long do they stay on board? You know, when do they do they move to a more younger, hipper, uh, you know, demo? at some point? You know, that these are the questions that everyone is asking. You
0: know, Yeah. No, and, and it'll be interesting to see how quickly change takes place. I mean, Sundance is right around the corner. Is Searchlight going to be an active buyer there? And if so, will they be an active buyer in a different capacity than they have been before? Or is this one of the, those things where it's just, you know, a big company buys something and then really takes its time figuring out what it wants to do with the shiny new toy? I mean, they probably are not going to be able to just go in and be a big Player, unless something changes, but hopefully, interesting because
1: somebody's going to say somebody is going to say you are going to Sundance to buy for these for this particular purpose. And and tell them what that purpose is. What are their marching orders going to be? Or you're just going to release all the stuff that you have already in the pipeline, and then we're going to stop doing theatrical. I don't know. I mean, you know, the theatrical thing is so dicey right now. You know, it really is. It's not
0: dead. It's just I think it's become more of this rarefied thing. Some movies belong in theaters. You know, whether it's whether they're big studio productions or they're you know kind of you know, specialized phenomena like the Paul Thomas Anderson movie where he'll call every projectionist in the country and make sure they know how to show a movie on 35, or, <laughs> you know, so so there is a, a future for theatrical, but in a big entity like Disney, it's. I mean, I someone could maybe make the case that it's still there, but I'd be really fascinated to hear how they explain it because I'm sure it's in a very limited capacity, probably much more limited than what Searchlight's been doing over the last couple years, just on autopilot to some degree. I mean, the idea of the platform release seems less and less valuable when you have a good OTT strategy and can really just hone in on getting those people who are watching stuff at home to watch stuff they might not otherwise be sort of convinced is worth their 20, 30 bucks.
1: What we have to hope, what we have to hope is this Fox Searchlight is still going to be making movies. That's the important thing. I think my personal feeling is that there's less. it's less important how they're released than that they get made. The kinds of movies we care about, the kinds of movies we value, and that's where the chill is. The chill in Hollywood, and I'm sure in New York right now, is that fear, that fear that the, the, the kinds of movies we care about are going to stop getting made. And that's right. what we have to be really worried yeah. about. And or Sundance will be made, very right. telling. Yeah. yeah, no, maybe Neon is going to make it, or maybe exactly. the Orchard is going to make it. Right.
0: A right. Twenty four, or anybody, or Annapurna. I mean, there's there's certainly it's a it's a more diverse landscape than it's been. So the other big story this week is also Disney related, only in terms of who produced it. Speaking of which, and that is Star Wars, no spoilers, <laughs> nobody needs to worry, they don't have to turn things off. We already know that a lot of stuff happens in this movie and that a lot more people liked it than you might have expected. I mean, not to say that The Force Awakens didn't play well, but I think at least on the level of reviews, this one has definitely played significantly better for good reasons. It's It rises above expectations, I think. Because it's really good filmmaking and writing, even as it manages to also just be, generally speaking, a satisfying Star Wars so movie. So what I'm
1: going to say to you is that I think the writing part of it is the key. Because what Ryan Johnson was able to do, because he's such a smart, clever, creative, lovely fellow, and you and know, the don't only know and, him. And,
0: and, and the only writer, and the only credited writer, usually you see a bunch of so writers. This
1: guy, you know, there was a writers' room. There is a group of people that work on this stuff over at Lucasfilm, and he was, you know, he wasn't bouncing against his own wall. He did have people he could bounce off of, and he brought things in. Like there's this one very cool new wrinkle, new thing that people can do in this movie. Movie that I won't name, and and he figured out that he that he could try to do this, and he went to them. But he
0: keep saying that I have no idea what you mean. <laughs> what is the? Give, give me. I mean, there there are it's things. A thing. in this movie. It's
1: a thing that Jedi can do it's uh, a jedi thing
0: yes i would agree i know what you're talking that, about that, he
1: went so to the people at disney and said can at lucasfilm and said can, can I do this can <laughs> i be allowed to do this and they went yes go for it dude well it's you an, what
0: you're talking here's what i say it's a narrative device yes it is very interesting for those of us who really pay attention to the language of film because what's what's neat about it is you you start to think about oh that's the way that this is constructed is interesting and yeah, I found that there were things so, like that throughout the movie exactly
1: so I interviewed him and I can't I'm not going to write it up until after the opening but um, what I what struck me when I when I did talk to him is just how very what a very good writer he is in the sense of knowing this is the this has to happen with this character this has these two characters have to be separated uh, basically Daisy and Finn they're not together, Daisy Ridley and, and John Boyega.
0: There's um, basically two concurrent there's, adventures. There's a lot, there's,
1: be, a, there's a parallel, you know, structure for but people,
0: you, you and other people were saying, like, a lot happens, a lot of plot, and I was ready for, like, you know, Interstellar or something. It's a very engaging, watchable movie. I mean, it's oh, a, yeah. It's very, it keeps the audience in mind as it goes along in a very interesting way. So there's so much payoff, but the payoff also gives you all these new settings and set different kinds of expectations and I actually think it's his best movie. I yeah. thought that Brick was a really kind of cool experiment with Loved Brick. You know, and then and then you know Brother's Bloom had some yep. interesting tonal stuff and and Looper had some really cool sci-fi ideas, but this one, I mean he is definitely somebody who's been who actually is a rare example of a filmmaker who belongs making movies on this scale because he plays with Kind of familiar molds of entertainment and does new things with them. I think so it's it just very took him a while to get. A,
1: no, no. I, the, the, also, he. Let's. He's working with these established. Cr- you know, create. Right. Get yeah. a lot of eyes. There's a lot of. There's a universe. There's there's certain things he had to to follow up you took it right where the last one left off he had to figure out what to do but that the reason we're so excited by it is that he he figured out some fresh fresh twists and did have the opportunity you know to he created the las vegas world he created with the help of 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 the digital geniuses who worked on this he got to you know he got to figure out some fabulous new creatures and he did a good job with that it wasn't like andrew stanton's horrible animals in in uh, John Carter, he knew what to do and it was good. Um, but I, but I do think he'll get better. I think he will actually become even better when he gets, you know, because well, he, kind of he's a young movie. filmmaker. He yeah. had to learn a lot of new things on this. Yeah.
0: you know, He's in his forties and he just committed like probably close to a decade of work making three more Star Wars movies. Even if, as he says to you, you know, that they, it was his idea. It's kind of a, an interesting concept is is honing your skill within the constraints of making blockbusters because it allows you to understand when they do create something that's satisfying and how to go wrong with them. Which isn't to say that, you know, it's not still a big risk, but maybe it's a positive risk. I mean, I'm always willing to be proven wrong. I, I generally speaking, hate seeing really individualistic filmmakers getting eaten up by this machine where you don't get to make the right calls. But I think somehow... This guy was able to figure out a way to negotiate between the demands on the commercial side and the kind of cool ideas he had to kind of unify them. It was a, a good fit.
1: It was so a really good fit. I guess what
0: I'm wondering is, it's like, okay, people really like this movie. It's not an awards movie, except no. for technical stuff, maybe. Could get some nominations there. But it's sort of interesting to me because I feel like Wonder Woman is an awards movie and Star Wars is better filmmaking i think.
1: I wouldn't go that far. I would say um,
0: but it's a culture it's more I would say if there was like, a
1: weakness in star wars it was it would be on the side of of some of the production design or some of the costume decisions there's some corny you know there's bits some weird shit like in that. there, you know there's th- definitely
0: some stuff that that I didn't like Yeah. I mean, there- there's some CGI stuff that I didn't like. Yeah, and there, it's not perfect. You know,
1: it's not perfect. And that's why I say the writing is where the, the strength lies. And obviously everybody recognizes that he, na- he navigated this perfectly well, and he will only get better. Um, but really. do you remember, I
0: mean, with Lord of the Rings, it was the third one that became, because it was sort of like they pulled it off and they finished it, and that was rewarded with the best picture Oscar. And, but J.J. Abrams may not be the kind of guy who usually is part of that conversation, but it kind of seems like the first one went fine, the second one came out really well. It's like every, all the pressure now is on J.J. to deliver a completion to this particular trilogy to kind of finalize this idea that the Star Wars you know universe is now in good hands. And then setting the stage for whatever they continue to do with it, because they, they're going to make this stuff for a millennia now. So that's really the other
1: you know the other question that, that keeps coming up is why they've had so much trouble with with the filmmakers and I think I think again you have to uh, they're they're institutionalizing the way Marvel has done you know what what the what the support system is and how to make all the all the the teams play together uh, harmoniously and now that I think they've learned you know what that that go with the kind of Ryan Johnson model of someone who yeah. who's co- cooperative and creative at the same time.
0: The Safdie brothers can remake 48 Hours, but they're probably not going to do that. That's going to be
1: interesting. <laughs> let's,
0: let's be clear. It's, it's sort of like <laughs> a, just, some people can try weird commercial gambles, but only certain people are right for Star Wars movies. Uh, so next week, I guess we'll have a whole bunch more award stuff to dig through I mean I, I'm almost losing track at this point of the different kinds of pieces in play but we don't have much left in well today
1: we're gonna get the foreign language list by the time this story uh, this podcast is 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 out we will know what what the the, the short the foreign language shortlist of nine Well, that'll uh, make a big difference Some, somebody
0: out there is going to be really pissed off and and I'll be able to to rant about my favorite movie from a country that will be completely unrepresented on this list as usual. That's just sort of a given. And maybe we'll find some time to talk about Greatest Showman if, if I dare to uh, subject myself to that. But I know you are. So <laughs> we'll, we'll find our way to it one way or another. All right. Case, have a good weekend.
1: Bye-bye.